Well, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I just want to open with a word of prayer. Father, we just glorify your name and thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you because this is the day that you have made. And Lord, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, for uh, any needs that are present today, we just release your power and your anointing. We declare healing in Jesus' name. We declare restoration and provision supernaturally in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for the blessing that you gave us today with all of the beautiful, fresh vegetables and so forth. Thank you for the bounty, Lord, that you've shown us as a body. And Lord, we speak healing to Pastor Dave right now. We declare your healing anointing upon him. Thank you that the resurrection power within him is quickening him, quickening him even now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for long life, Lord God. Strengthen Pastor Ina. Bless her, Lord. Refresh her as she refresh, refreshes Pastor Dave. And Lord, just let them feel your presence, a heavy, weighty glory within their home and within their beings. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. Um, we have a, a topic where I did more of a transcript today because I didn't want to give you a word salad where I just, you know, cause sometimes you have topics where you could talk about different sections for really long periods of time, and I didn't want to bore you guys to death with a word salad. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to put what I feel the Lord's leading me to say down on paper and, you know, deviate from it, from it somewhat or whatever sometimes, but we'll see how it works out. Okay, pray for me as we uh, move forward. Um, this topic is one that we've probably heard taught on a great deal about praising the Lord in the midst of trials and tribulations and how praising him brings the victory. But uh, the Lord has given me some revelation for my own life that I wanted to share with you all. And I pray it'll be a blessing to you. All right. So at a certain point, I will um, be in your notes and uh, I'll trigger you or you may see it on your own. So there's been a, a, a lot of testimonies, testimony after testimony of people in the word and in the body of Christ today who have received very dramatic miracles and breakthroughs in their adverse situations after praising the Lord. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about some of the provisions and promises that God has given to us for warfare and also discuss our identity that God has given to us for facing trials and temptations. How does God deliver us in the midst of our circumstances? Simply put, God wants us to praise him at all times. And so let's look at, at some of the specifics. It says in Psalms 34, and you'll see the scripture there in your notes. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. So I'm going to look even closer at that scripture after reading it. And so it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. So when and how often will I bless the Lord? I'll bless him at all times. And at all times would mean you would bless him in the good times and in the bad times. You'll bless him when things are going great for you and when things are not going so great for you. His praise shall sometimes be in my mouth. No, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And what is it that is going to make a boast in the Lord? It's our souls. Our souls will make a boast in the Lord. And so our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions, and our imagination. Every single part of our being is going to boast in the Lord. Every part of our being will be in agreement with praising God. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And then, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he delivered me from some of my fears. From all of my fears. So there in the word, we see an example and blueprint in Psalms 34. We see an example and blueprint for what we can expect when we praise God. When we praise God at all times and keep his praise within our mouths by boasting in him, God will deliver us from all of our fears. But there's something that we need to know about tests and trials as well, because while we're praising God, the enemy will try to discourage us. So we need to know that in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, the word says, there is no temptation that has overtaken us that is not common to man. And God is faithful. So in the midst of praising the Lord and in the midst of going through trials and, and so forth, even when we're praising God, even when we're obedient and we face a trial, the Lord wants us to know, even though you face a trial, because some people act as though if you're a Christian, you're not going to go through a trial, right? But there is no temptation that will overtake you that is not common to man. And God, in the midst of that trial, is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So thank you, Lord Jesus. You've given us provision for temptations and trials. And the beauty is that there's nothing that we're going to face that is not common to man. And every single temptation and trial, trial has a way of escape. I always, I always think of this, the escape as Jesus. Jesus, through his blood, is my escape. And also in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, it says, Come to me, 
all who, are la who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now let's look back at that once again, Matthew 11, 28 through 30 for a moment. And let's notice that the Lord mentions rest. But what is he prompting us, promising to us right here? What is he promising in this passage? He's promising rest. But what is he promising the rest for? He says there that he is promising us rest for our souls. And why would rest for your soul be needed when you're going through a trial or a temptation? Because in our lives, there are all kinds of yokes and trials that we sometimes unknowingly and knowingly choose to carry. Yokes that are heavy and tormenting, that are laborious to carry. And because Jesus knows what this world system wants to deceptively offer to us in the way of yokes, trials, temptations, roles that we have to fulfill, burdens, relationships, etc., he says to us, look, come to me. I will give you rest. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm lowly in heart. And so, see, I just want to give you rest. Rest for your soul. See, my yoke is easy, and my yoke will never be a burden because it's light. So I wanted to bring this important principle and truth out about our souls because it's through the attack on our souls that the enemy discourages us. He wants to torment our souls with fear in our minds, fear in our will, fear in our emotions, and fear in our imagination. So that while we're going through a trial, we are to be distracted and tormented with burdens and heaviness in our hearts so that we don't remember that Jesus is the restorer of our souls. God just wants us to remain in peace and to stay connected to our true identity that Jesus has already made provision for, even provision for the healing of our souls in the midst of trials. So it's beautiful that that provision, I don't care what trial that you go through, he said, I gave you a way of escape, and that you don't have to carry any heavy burdens. My burden is light. I'm giving you rest in your soul to be able to face whatever it is in life that you face. So while we're going through a trial, he is the restorer of our souls. You see, the enemy wants us to stay in the realm of our souls while we're going through a trial instead of living according to the identity of our spirits, which are whole, complete, and lacking nothing. We've already been given everything that we need to go through every trial and temptation. God just wants us to carry his burden that is light. 
He wants us to cast our cares on him and worship him because he has already delivered us from all of our fears and he has already fought and won every battle for us before the foundation of the world was laid. We've got the victory. So we're blessed. Jesus knows that we will go through trials and temptations, but he has lovingly revealed to us the intent and purpose of his yokes. His yoke is designed to only give us rest. And this is very key to know and realize because when we're going through struggles, Jesus has already told us that he will never give us more than we can bear and that he always provides a way of escape. So if you're feeling a heaviness in your life, if you're feeling burdened, you know that you've picked up a yoke that isn't yours. Because the only yoke that, yoke that you should carry is the lightness of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so now I wanted to just bring out some of the points a little before we discuss the testimonies in God's word for what he promises to us when we worship him in the midst of trials and temptations. So now look, let's look at some of the testimonies that happened in God's word and at the, at the result of their faith and trust in God while worshiping him in all things. Let's look at Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel 6, verses 21 through 23. Daniel, Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him. Because he had trusted in his God. So let's make it personal. Daniel said, I trust in my God. And so we are to trust and our God. He's my God. Does God feel personal to you? Do you have a sense that, oh, you know, he's, he's personal to me. I know him in a way that no one else knows him. He knows me in a way that no one else knows me. He's my God. In the same way, you know, I, I can think of it like this, you know, the Lord, he's our savior, our master, our Lord, our husband, you know, he's our father. He's so many things. And one way I relate it, I don't, maybe everyone in here has been married at some time in life or been in a uh, intimate relationship where that relationship was like no other. And you feel a sense of ownership for that relationship. And so when I think about God, I say, wow, Lord, you're a husband to me, but you're the best husband ever. I have a great husband, but no one can match the husbandry of my God. No one can mass the mothering, uh, match the mothering of my God. My God is a great comforter. No one can master the fathering of my God. My God is a great provider. My God gives me an identity that I can't get from anyone else. I have identity through my God. Anyone who doesn't have a father doesn't know what their identity is, and so therefore they feel lost. But my God has given me a great identity 
in him. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, just like Daniel was innocent, we are all innocent in the eyes of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. No wound was found on Daniel because the word says he trusted in his God. Now, here we see an example of a foundational truth in the story of Daniel. It's being laid for how God delivers his people. Remember the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So God delivers his people when we trust in him. God delivers his people when we look to him. A few years ago, the Lord by his spirit pointed out to me that Daniel and others within the word have testimonies that display his faithfulness to keep his promises to his people when we trust in him and remain in agreement with him concerning his promises. So, for example, when we look at what Jesus gave us in the New Testament concerning our identity and all the authority that he has given to us, we are going to see in Luke 10 and 19 that we have not only been given the same faith as Daniel, the patriarchs and matriarchs of the word, we also see the posture that we must have in order to see victory over all the things the enemy tries to attack us with. So let's compare a couple of truths to each other. Right now, we're just building a precept upon precept for more context concerning these principles of our faith. So now we're going to look over more examples. But for now, let's look at Daniel's testimony. In the text that you're looking at, in the text we see that Daniel, despite being an upright man, an obedient man before his God, is thrown into the lion's den because of refusing to obey the rituals of men. So one of the first things that we see is Daniel continually kept his gaze on God. And then secondly, we see the posture of Daniel's heart. It was to continually praise and worship God. So because of that, because Daniel trusted God, the word says in verse 23 that when they lifted Daniel out of the lion's den, no wounds were found on him because he trusted in God. Now, I don't know about you, but throughout my life, I have always marveled about the amazing miracles of protection that are recorded in the word. And so in the natural, most people would be challenged to believe that such a miraculous event could occur. A man was placed in a den full of hungry lions and nothing happened to him. So I want us to note that Daniel, when he was in the lion's den, his soul was engaged in that attack. So what can we imagine? We can imagine that Daniel went to the lion's den. This is with my, just my holy imagination. And he walks there and he knows he's innocent. And he's thinking to himself, wow, I have served the king faithfully, but I can't worship his God. I can't stop honoring God and putting God first. So I trust that God will deliver me. And so as he gets to the lion's den, though, the enemy tries to torment him in his soul and says, look at how dark it is in there. It's really dark. You remember hearing the cries of other people who were thrown into the lion's den? How fast those lions, as soon as they opened up the den, 
And before they could even throw them in, the lions were jumping up and trying to bite at the people. And you don't stand a chance in the natural of making it out of the den. But my God, I trust him in all things. So Daniel, he peacefully went to the lion's den and began the same posture of worship that he had in his bedroom. He went into the lion's den and he just looked to God and trusted his God. And the word of God says, because out of his posture of worship, because he trusted God, because he worshiped God, no wound was found on him. There's a principle there that trust begets the goodness of God. Trust in God begets the provision of God. Trust in God begets the protection of God. Trust in God gives us our identity that we have in God. So no matter how the enemy tries to torment you in your soul with all the sound effects of crunching bones and, you know, remembering all of the torments and stuff before that happened before you, the Lord has taught me, you know, when I was in my teen years and I was dealing with some fear and so forth, I would ask a lot of questions. But so-and-so died of cancer and they believe God and this person, you know, got in a car accident and they prayed Prayers, prayers of protection, and this person had this happen to them, and that was just torment from the devil. The Lord said, Veronica, don't worry about someone else's faith. Put your faith and trust in me. When I said I will protect you and that I will heal you, I mean exactly what I mean in my word. He said, get rid of that but if spirit. I said, but if? But what? But this? He said, tell, say, but God. But God. But God. It's always but God. Amen? That's the only but we need, but God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the principle there that our trust is what brings the wage that goes with trust. There's a wage there. There's a fruit there that comes out of trusting God. So there you have it. Seemingly impossible circumstances that in the natural no one wants to face, yet someone did. And how in the world did Daniel escape with no wounds totally intact? It's simple. The word says that Daniel chose to do something that God has given to all of us, the ability to trust in him. Trust God. Years ago, I thought, well, Daniel was strong. He must have had more faith than most people could have. But what about me? How could I? And how can I face lions? How can we face a deceiver today that comes roaring at us like a lion? In reality, we've all been given the assignment to do what Daniel did. We've all been given the charge to praise and worship and trust God in the face of our enemies that come roaring at us like roaring lions. And sometimes they seem just as real as a physical lion. But now let's look at where we see the same principle at work in the New Testament. We have a wonderful covenant full of promises given to us through Jesus' blood. 
And one of the promises that Jesus gave to us is found in Luke 10 and 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means will harm you. So the Lord, he gave me even more clarity at a certain time and said to me, Veronica, when I said that nothing by any means will hurt you, I meant it. He said, nothing by any means will be able to hurt your body. Nothing by any means will be able to hurt your soul. Nothing by any means will be able to hurt your spirit because I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means will be able to hurt you. And God, he's not a man that he should lie and he's not the son of a man that he should repent. If he said it, will he make it good? So when he says to me and you that nothing by any means will be able to hurt our bodies, we know that it's true. Because as it says in Isaiah 53, with his stripes, we are healed. When he says to you and I that nothing by any means will be able to hurt our souls, it is true because his blood that was shed was healing for our souls as well. Jesus told us in Psalms 23, I restore your soul and that we are to prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. So if he intended for you to keep pain in your soul, then that means that he didn't really mean for your body to be healed. But we know that this is a lie from the devil because with his stripes, we are healed. So how can we prosper and be in health even if our souls prosper, if our souls are in pain? Now, about two messages ago, I shared with you how the healing of our souls falls within the same revelation of grace that God gave us for our bodies. With his stripes, we are healed, but healing can sometimes be progressive in the same way that you are continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You are continually filled with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that continually quickens and heals your mortal body. Physical healing for the body and soul are progressive. We have to continually remain in agreement with God's word that we are healed in our bodies and souls because with Jesus stripes, we are healed and your spirit, which is the real you is whole and complete and lacking nothing. So what we see now is that I've just given a quick synopsis of this. We see that in the same way that when Daniel was in the lion's den, he was able to be at total rest because he trusted in God. And Daniel just worshiped God in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the trial that was intended to ravage his body and cause him to be tormented in his soul because of fear. Daniel, through his worship, said, my God is trustworthy and true to his promise. My God is faithful. He is with me because Daniel trusted God. Nothing by any means could hurt his body, soul, or spirit because through praise, Daniel tapped into supernatural provision. You know that we have that through trusting in God and worshiping and praising him in the midst of our trials and battles. We will see the supernatural provision that God has promised to all of his children. So, Lord, we praise you because you are almighty. We praise you because you're worthy to be high and lifted up above all things. Thank you for being a good father. Thank you for being a good Lord. 
Thank you for being just who you say you are. And thank you that you will never leave us or forsake us because you love us. So here's another example of that principle of worshiping the Lord, trusting in him, and seeing the provision. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, trust God for victory. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 15 through 24. Pay attention, all Judah, every inhabitant of Jerusalem. And King Jehoshaphat, Jehaziel, said, This is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid or discouraged by this great army, because the battle isn't yours. It belongs to God. March out against them tomorrow, since they will be coming through the Ziz Pass. Meet them at the end of the valley that opens into the Jeruel wilderness. You don't need to fight this battle. Just take your places, stand ready, and watch how the Lord who is with you, will deliver you. Judah and Jerusalem, don't be afraid or discouraged. Go out tomorrow and face them. The Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord in worship. Levites from the lands of Kohath and Korah stood up to loudly praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Early the next morning, they went into the Tekoa wilderness, and when they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah, and every inhabitant of Jerusalem. Trust the Lord, your God, and you will stand firm. Trust his prophets and succeed. After consulting with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed musicians to play for the Lord, praising his majestic holiness. They were to march out before the warriors, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, because his faithful love lasts forever. And as they broke into joyful song and praise, the Lord launched a surprise attack against the Ammonites, the Moabites, and those from Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, so that they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites turned on those from Mount Seir, completely destroying them. Once they had finished off the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy each other. When Judah arrived at the point overlooking the wilderness, all they could see were corpses lying all around, all over the ground. There were no survivors. So you see, all they had to do was worship God. It was not their battle. God fought that battle for them, and that's how it is for us. God wants us to continually look to him and worship him, and he will bring into order all that we need to bring the victory. Thank you, Jesus. So here's one more example, the fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does 
not fall and worship shall be cast into a burning fiery furnace there are certain jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of babylon shatrach meshach and abednego and these men o king pay no attention to you they do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up then nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that shatrach meshach and abednego be brought so they brought these men before the king Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, backpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall see immediately you will be cast into a burning, fiery furnace, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you. You don't need to give an answer to your enemies. All you have to do is show them through your actions what it is you're going to do. Oftentimes we get tripped up by that, feeling like we have to, you know, negotiate with our enemy and the enemy wants to keep you dialoguing and talking with him going back and forth you know because he'll throw something at you and you'll scratch your head like one time uh the lord i was in a situation where a man of god said to me veronica can't you be obedient to god and man and i stood there kind of thought to myself huh be obedient to god and man no, God told me to be obedient to him. I only have one master, one Lord, one gospel. No, I can't be obedient to God and man. I can only be obedient to God. But you see that word salad right there? <laughs> you know, the enemy wants to keep you going in circles, confused about your identity and confused about who God is. Just look at him and just walk away like, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> I know who I am. <laughs> So I think that's really key because the enemy will hit you with symptoms and all kinds of things, and he'll have you tracing your whole body going, well, I felt it right here on Tuesday. Okay, this is Wednesday. I haven't felt it yet this morning. I usually feel it at night. Okay, maybe tomorrow. I'm, when I get up in the morning, I'm going to check and see if I have that same pain again in my body. You see, that's just a word salad. <laughs> just proclaim the truth and keep walking. Don't run after anything the enemy tries to present to you. So they said, um, which I love, uh, where is it? Da, 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 da. We have no need to answer you. That's your answer. Let's say it together. We have no need to answer you in this matter. So if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. When I hear that phrase, he was filled with fury, fury that's the same thing as saying to me, he came roaring at me like a lion. That's the devil. It's just another way of describing the attributes of the enemy, right? 
He was so mad because you made a line in the sand and said, uh-uh, <laughs> I am not going to worship this image. I'm going to only worship my God. So he was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And in a situation like that, I say to myself, you needed to heat it seven times hotter. I can only die once, okay? You just heat it up one time, and that's good enough. You see how the enemy tries to come at you, and he tries to amp up things? You don't just have cancer. You have stage four cancer. Now you're really going to die. <laughs> you know, I heated it up seven times hotter. Now you're really going to die. No, I would have died from the first one, actually. You can't scare me, devil. I'm not going to listen to your roaring. Or as it said, I am not going to answer you, right? So let's see. So he, heard, he ordered it seven times hotter, more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. You know, can't you see the soulish realm of that right there? They're hearing the crackling of the flames. You know, they see this huge fire that's bigger than they've ever seen it before. They're like, boys, let's just worship them, okay? Let's just trust God. They went in there, you know, I don't even know, you know, but let's just say they were worshiping him in spirit and truth. Oh, God, you are the only God. Lord, you've delivered us before. You'll do it again. And even if you don't worship, I mean, deliver us from this, Lord, you are worthy of glory and honor and praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are not going to forsake us. You're in here with us. Come on, boys. Worship him harder. Hallelujah. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, they just had their gaze totally on God. Now, what that looks like in your mind's eye, I don't know. But since I'm a worshiper, I'm, I got some good dancing going on there. Hey, boys, we're about to go to heaven and see the king. Uh, So let's see. So then these men were bound in their cloaks and their tunics, their hats and their other garments. And they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. Now, what principle do we see there again? They worship God and nothing by any means could hurt them. We have got to worship God in the midst of trials, temptations, and whatever. We already know he promises that there's no temptation such as common demand that he has not made a way of escape. Just go on ahead and worship him. Go on ahead and declare the victory. Go on ahead and God, say, God, you are good. God, you are merciful. God, you are kind. God, I thank you that even today, Lord, you will be glorified in the midst of this circumstance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Let your soul make a boast in the Lord. Glory to God. So that the enemy cannot come in there and try to torment you and your soul. You just take your soul and totally engage it into glorifying your God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So, and they were not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. So, Lord, we ask that you would help us to remember that all you've given, given to us, you've given to us so many promises and benefits when we praise you in the midst of our trials. Nothing by any means will be able to hurt us because we trust in you, Lord. And so Psalms 103 is going to be, 103 will be our declaration. Let's read this part together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that the youth are renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. He made known his acts unto Daniel. He made known his acts unto Jehoshaphat. He made known his acts unto the three Hebrew boys, and he is making known his acts unto me. And so nothing by any means shall hurt me. Thank you, Jesus, because he has given his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone, because you have made the Lord who is your refuge. That's right. Even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you. Nothing by any means will hurt you. Not your body, not your soul, not your spirit, because you trust in him. No plague will come near your dwelling, and no arrow shall hurt you by day. For Jesus shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. So worship him. Worship him right now, because you already are delivered from all of your fears. Amen.